Philosophy. Descartes. Debate. The Mepropod. 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 The awesomest discussion podcast in the history of the human species. Oh, yeah! Let me tell you of an interview with an old man emu. He's got a beak and feathers and things, but the poor old fella ain't got no wings. Aren't you jealous of the wedge-tailed eagle? I'm better to da-da-da. Well, the eagle's flying round and round to keep my two feet firmly on the ground. Now, I can't fly, but I'm telling you, I can run the pants of a kangaroo. But da do 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 He can't fly, but I'm telling you, he can run the pants of a kangaroo. I think that is enormously problematic, whether it's, you know, Karl Marx doing it or whether it's Joseph St- or whether it's, uh, uh, you know, Hitler. Like, it doesn't matter left or right. If you've got someone who's setting up that scenario where everything is about executive orders, that's deeply problematic to me. Not to mention that the sort of science basis of Jill Stein is also problematic. Her statement on vaccines is kind of shaky about what she thinks one way or the other. Her statement about GMOs, which I'm not 100% sure about, but I think... It, it's it's these just strike me as sort of like you take a bunch of pet issues that like NYU used to run as debate cases and then you put them into a candidate and they say, now, how do you do this and give you executive orders? And you come up with Jill Stein. So that's my I, problem. Isn't, isn't that kind of the world that we live in right now with Barack Obama finding that he has zero traction in Congress to do anything? So everything that he does is either an initiative or an executive order. No, but that's but if you look overall at his track record, though, healthcare was not passed through executive order. I mean, like numerous things that were done, the Lilly led better fair pay. Act, uh, you know, the uh, the sort of drawdown of a lot of these places across the world, the reduction of troops in a lot of places, this is not executive order. So he has Troops are something. totally executive order. Well, <laughs> Just to fact he's, check. He's, he's Congress done. has nothing to do with troop allocations. I know that. But what I'm saying is that he's done a lot less, actually, than any of his predecessors have done up to, I don't remember what the year set, 1950, 60, I don't remember what the year was. He's done a lot fewer of them. In fact, the argument that I've heard from the left is they wish that Obama had done more more. I've heard a lot of that. I've heard a lot of, I wish Obama oh, had done more on his own. I wish he had gone off on his own. And that returns us to the left-wing dictator argument. I think the reason he resisted it is because he doesn't want a one-branch government. And the hope is that at some point, someday, we may actually have a sane right-wing opposition in this country, which is not the, which is not the, the fascist you know, Nazis that we have at the moment that call themselves the Republicans. So... You know, I mean, so that's a big problem for me with Jill Stein. That and the fact that if Stein were really legitimate, she would be Ralph Nader. I know we have different opinions about Ralph Nader, but that guy, ugh. I mean, Um, to me, yeah, granted, I don't live in a swing state. um, So it's hugely to my benefit to getting these third parties as much possible percentage of vote because that depends on like matching funds and whether they're going to have a presence in future elections which i think is absolutely crucial to us having a functioning democracy is for these third parties to have more of a voice yep so especially in opportunities where you have two historically disliked candidates like i think that the third parties you know flawed candidates whether they have them or not like they have to step up this is the biggest i mean given the the preponderance of the internet the you know the new news sources that exist like these third parties have to get as much as they can this year because this is the best chance they've ever had. Why don't they ever, why don't the Greens then focus any attention 
on on not hyper local, but on like we don't. Where are all the local and state races the Greens are running in? Instead of it always being present. I mean, they run in every single race in California. Like they are not as involved in New York because New York is, I think, has a lot of issues that prevent it from being a green stronghold of machine politics and. Well, the Working Families Party was you know is a third party that that has some functionality. Um, and you have the roadblock of the rent is too damn high party. That's true. Well, the rent is too damn high party. <laughs> it is a force. Um, they are. Yeah, you can't um, reckon with that. But I'd like to see, I'd frankly, I mean, the reason the Green Party's function, it seems to me, in Europe is because the Green Parties do a much better job at putting up legitimate candidates instead of, you know, saving all of their energy and time. And maybe you're right that they run for, I don't know how well they run. I don't know how much effort they put into it. But my sense has always been that they're very much, let's go from the top down. And that's even back to 2000 with Nader. And that, to me, is a huge mistake. Like, you build it up from the ground up, Correct me if I'm wrong, though, because you say putting up candidates. Like, is it the case that in Western Europe and these other advanced democracies who have more of a parliamentary system that like there there isn't a media looking to crush any opposition to the main two parties and like make sure they have zero airtime and make sure they're always discussed as an afterthought or someone not to yeah. be considered like that's the system that we have where to put up a candidate what does that mean to have someone shout onto a street where they will be covered by zero well, you know media sources i mean to crush them no probably not i think the media is probably not quite there over there it's not at that level but you know i mean they have you know they have like an avowed socialist who was just elected recently to the seattle city council and you know she ran as a democrat i believe but you know with the sort of like socialist banner you have people like angus king as an independent senator from maine you have bernie sanders himself so you have these different characters who it seems to me have been able to run successful you know independent places independent campaigns but I don't see the Green Party supporting them in building infrastructure. Like I think you could you could start like, and this is the I think this is my my theory. It's obviously not as sexy to start running for like city council member, but I think city council members are where you start, and then you start building a bench of people who can start going up to state and larger elections. Until that happens, and you continue to do these you know periodic four year shots at the moon. You know, you're going to end up with with Jill Stein and, you know, getting 0.01 percent of the vote, you know, and Gary Johnson may be an example of someone who, like Ross Perot, could do a little bit more. There tends to be something where the numbers kind of drop off at the end, which is what happened with Perot also. But I don't know. I, it seems to me that well, Perot game, was forced out of the election or thought he was forced he out by forced Bush's henchmen. Who knows what the truth is? <laughs> the problem but, is Perot. Who knows? I don't know. Well, yeah, know. I mean, but I mean, Perot would have gotten, would have gotten a hundred electoral votes if he hadn't dropped out the first time. I mean, that that's was, right. yeah, I think that's that was possible. a disaster. I mean, he was online to actually disrupt the system and who knows whether he was delusional, crazy, got too close to the sun, or he was actually, <laughs> you know, put up against a wall in a back alley. Like any of these are possible. I like, like to I, think- I have that no he idea. did get too close to the sun. I feel like Perot started by getting too close to the sun. And then yeah. there. <laughs> John Seacon sound. Um, you know, but yeah. But I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know. I like, for example, I would rather if the I would rather the Greens be putting up like you guys as candidates. Who I would could rather that too. A- advocate for your position. <laughs> I'm on board. I mean, like, <laughs> no, I mean, I've thought about like I've I've thought about getting involved seriously in Green Party politics at some point, but like the problem is realistically like, and I think I don't know if this is the frustration party wide. So t- I have two responses. One is in California they are doing it at every level. Like literally, you can basically pull a lever that straight ticket Green Party in Oakland, California, and I, like I they are running a Starbucks for Starbucks barista. That's a Green Party whenever I go there. <laughs> <laughs> Are you so, what I'd really like is a Jill Stein. Oh, sir, right? We yeah, have one right here. Yeah. So, I mean, so there are pockets, right? But like, I don't, I mean, 
part of the problem that I see, and I'm sure we're going to see this differently politically, but like, it is very pyrrhic to me the idea of like joining the new orleans city council or something like the things that can be accomplished when the system is so messed up are so minimal that like i kind of understand and relate to the well we have to start from the top down right because the alternative is like we just have to like scrap everything which is probably ultimately what i agree with and believe in anyway and so it's like it's already a huge compromise to only be president in a system that hasn't been scrapped like like real talk and i think a lot of people who are politically green you know agree with that sort of sentiment and perspective so i think it's hard to like think of i'm gonna slog for six years you know the two-party system rewards people who like to be sort of career politicians and like the bureaucracy and like the self-aggrandizement. And, you know, I think it's hard to imagine like putting together a 20-year political career of doing very gradual minor things that you don't necessarily feel passionate about in order to get to that place. why we lose to the Republicans, too, because the Republicans are the type of people that will sit on a city school board for 20 years and just be happy running their city school board right. and winning all the state legislature elections. And they've completely completely dominated in that sense. That's right. I'll get their governors elected and so that they have all this power despite the fact that they have no real popular right. support. I think, well, and part of the reason too is that philosophically, the Republicans now have reached the point where they don't want to govern. They literally think the government is bad. So they get elected and then they prove it. You know, like, whereas, whereas, <laughs> That's true. whereas the Democrats, I, you, we can disagree, but the Democrats want to govern. You may think they want to govern badly. I wouldn't agree. But, you know, the Republicans actively don't want government to happen. Sure. So like, that's the thing about the Greens. I mean, but the thing I would say, though, is that that just guarantees, right, that the system has no alteration in it. Like if you if you elect, just as an example, you go to Austin, which is a very progressive place in Texas, or you go to Dallas, which has become, which is rapidly, you know, shifted to the left. Um, and you say, you know, we elect a city council member in Austin, which is a good sized city, or Dallas, which is obviously a good sized city. And then they do their job really well. And the next time they have another person that they tap and you have a second person who is from the Green Party. And then people are like, you know, this guy did, you know, did a reasonable job and and you tap the next person. Yes, the individual first person, like the pioneer, the person who is the Green Party city council member for the first time. You're pr- you're right. Probably it's going to be a thankless job. Probably they're not going to make a lot of changes themselves. But they normalize the effect of having a Green Party person in that environment and on that stage so that the next person who comes in, the next person, and then you start getting some numbers. And if you get four people, five people, six people on a 12-person council and they're all green, now you've got so something. Here's so, my question. Yeah. There, there is a group of people that we all know kind of intimately well who are both sympathetic to the green cause and love bureaucracy more than life itself. Do you guys know who I'm talking about? Green Cardi and bureaucracy. They love bureaucracy. They love being green. They're kind of their own little cult and like organization. Wesleyan on the at the debate circuit. Well, I was thinking of oh. the the pergs. <laughs> well, oh god, but the pergs. Why don't the pergs, the pergs just run the whole show? Just because, give the party because, to them because the pergs <gasps> are only interested in running campaigns, as you guys know, in which they actually win. So they're like, how about a bottle bill where you actually you know give money for recycling? Don't we already do that in forty eight states? Yes, but we're running a campaign to make it in the forty ninth state. Like, quite honestly, is my daughter around? No, the pergs are a bunch of chicken shits, and they've been running for years as a bunch of chicken shits that run campaigns that are basically guaranteed to succeed, so that they can then parade around their so successes. So what if instead of lobbying, the pergs just started 
running themselves as candidates as, as and candidates, raising themselves. That's a better call. That's a better call because I think it's harder. I think that they view that as harder. It's easier to exploit college kids, right? It's it, Instead of actually getting people out there. That's what I mean. You guys would be, and I'm not, this is not hyperbole, you guys would be optimal candidates as people who would work hard, who are clearly intelligent, who can clearly articulate your I don't know well. how hard I would work. All that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's all improv. It's all improv. Come on. You got to look at our day job history yeah. before you make claims like that, Greg. But um, uh, I, listen, I'm your campaign manager, so you don't, okay, don't start that. Great. I would elect a here. vice school board member and give them all yeah. foreign and domestic powers. <laughs> and I would give the speech. Vice I'm, school I'm also member. not convinced that the Pergs aren't like secretly run by the Koch brothers, right? Like, I swear <laughs> to God, the, the Pergs net impact is to destroy the causes that they promote it because really they alienate so many people in the process of doing Nader, things man. the way they do. It's your boy Nader. That's well, no, I mean, Nader, no. Nader, I, Nader is no longer and money. has not yeah. been involved with them for a long time. And the like vow of poverty. I mean, yeah, they were inspired by the vow of poverty from Nader, but like requiring exactly everyone to take a vow of poverty to work there is a little ridiculous. Where does the money so. ultimately go in the perks? Is there like one? Uh, oh, they have, they, they have a gigantic fortified company. Have a, <laughs> they have a gigantic war chest. They have a mountain of money in Aspen or somewhere that they have reserved. <laughs> no, I'm li- this is literally true. This is literally true. And it occurs to me that this may actually be something that like I was told in secret because my ex-wife was high up in Perg and I don't give a fuck. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Perg can fuck itself. Right. So, story. Rust, you got to pay every Perg. They have a mountain That's of a money that is, that is this yeah, war right. chest that is built up to safeguard against so you know how like they have they have like all these sweetheart deals at state schools and things like that where they can do all of this fundraising or they have like um like what bemco had that we tried to get for the debate team and failed miserably at brandeis of like being a special funded group like most school newspapers and things so they have all of these deals and all of these arrangements to siphon off all of this money and they're a Um, c4 organization yeah and and they have the c4 and the c3 and all of that stuff and whatever wait what's What's the difference between a c4 and a c3 Uh, that you can lobby, whether you can lobby or not. Uh, right. okay. And also, C three is tax deductible. C four donations are not. Okay, gotcha. Because they blow up. Right. So they're not C4. tax deductible donations. Sorry. So C four. So per yeah. donations are not tax deductible. Uh, well, no. Is they, a they segment that C three co run both. Yeah. Every oh. perg is organized as a c3 and a c4 so that they can and everyone has to itemize their timesheets into no seriously this is totally see i worked for the perks as you guys know for a summer but in connecticut but i mean but that was like i I mean that was back in 1992 and i certainly not never got that high up so wow okay i didn't know that yeah yeah so so anyway they have this rainy day fund basically like 60 percent of all of the money that they raise goes into this rainy day mountain that if they ever start like if there ends up being like a real anti-perg movement like if they get kicked off of the campuses and they start losing things they can still run themselves for 20 years fortress no i'm dead (laughs) serious i mean i mean it's like a post-apocalypse contingency plan is that like the whole thing is like be in the organization the secret perk is when the world ends you can come to our I mean, it does sound a little like Scientology. I gotta say, <laughs> like the parallels between Perg and Scientology wow. get a little creepy at places. So, That's but yeah, great. they just have they just have millions and millions and millions stashed away um, in case, like in case. I mean, it, basically, in case Donald Trump gets elected, I guess, yeah, right, and just starts right. sweeping things aside. Like that's that's basically the contingency. That's when um, all the field managers become assassins. Exactly. Yeah, the, the, Doug Phelps and so his mountain of money. Yeah. Please tell me, just for extra enjoyment, that all of this yes. is 
gold bullion in this in this uh, mountain? Is it <laughs> yeah, I I think it's probably you know it's probably in in a in a municipal bond or something. I have, I have no idea. Games. I have this image of war games like they're like, come on, they're closing the mountain. <laughs> like Ralph Nader is running down the road to get before the door closes. Um, so no, like, it's, it's all in Exxon stock. That's the really like oh, self-defeating God. thing. Oh no. Do you know they actually do run a mutual fund called Green Century Funds that attempts oh, to... Oh yeah, that's true. It's probably all in there. Friendly investing yeah. is what that is. Mm-hmm. I have heard about some of that stuff, but was it, I forget whether it was you, Russ, or whether it was you, Story, that went to these like uh, like retreats and stuff. I think we've both been you to both at least to one of them. Yeah, we've they both been to them. Russ, they did. I went like to the Aspen one, which is where I found out about the war chest. Did you That's see it? One. Did yeah. you see the mountain of money? <laughs> <laughs> I really want to know about the mountain of money. That happened after the carousel ceremony where they blow up Perg members who aged too long, and then they reveal the one, mountain of money. One Perger is sacrificed to the mountain of money. This is all of a sudden, Aspen. this is like midnight run. Like it's oh Each my trip. god. Yeah, Eyes wide shut was based primarily I mean, on Logan's Perks. run, rather. Yeah. Um, uh, hilarious. Oh my god, that's funny. Yeah. So who controls the I mean, like, is there some person in control of this mountain of well, it's a cyborg. It was Doug Phelps at one <laughs> point. Cyborg. I know. Yeah. He's no longer a man in technically speaking. He's a machine now, the man. Well, twisted <laughs> and evil. Yeah. Welcome to the environmental mountain of money. <laughs> I love it. No, it was Doug Phelps who I used to play. So one of the things about the Aspen retreat is is they have this really epic basketball tournament. And for whatever reason, um, when I went to Aspen, Doug Phelps, who's like, you know, 58 or whatever else, he and I were just like perfectly evenly matched and always guarding each other in basketball. And then I found out like two days later after I had been like hip checking this guy on the basketball court that he was the he was the guru of the mountain of money at Perg. And I was like, wow, that's really that's really crazy. So at some point he's just like, I want you to know if you hit this three point shot, you will never yes. enter the kingdom. You're like, what do you mean? Exactly. Like, what sure mean? you let that guy drive to the basket. You give him a lane. You do <laughs> yeah, really. Exactly. I know. It's he's true. Like, you could have blocked him. You're like, but I couldn't block his mountain of money. You just walk exactly. away. I really, I really yeah. am enamored of the idea that this is an actual physical mountain of money that exists like in some, you know, like underground room somewhere, like climate controlled, yeah. you know, with green filters, no doubt. Um, Absolutely. Wow. Okay. Interesting. I wonder, yeah. you know, I wonder how many other environmental organizations have things like, like, I mean, I just, we have the Pergs, but like, what about like, right. Pergs, by the way? Um, I don't know if you guys know this. I didn't find this out in an Aspen retreat, but I found this out in other secret meetings. But that if you spell <laughs> backwards, it is grip, which is there. Wait a minute. On all of humanity's throats. I know this. <laughs> makes sense. What that is. It makes sense. Uh, you can also amazing. trace them out in your mashed potatoes. Greg, there are 64 elected officials from the Green Party in California currently serving elected officials. Elected officials. 750,000. Yeah. I mean, yeah, how, like, how I, I don't know. Russ is serving in three offices, but I don't know the party <laughs> affiliate. Russ Guberman, Russ Guberman, Russ Guberman. This is how right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And a lot of these are not high level positions. Like, they're on rent stabilization boards and school districts and transit districts. And, like, you know, well, they're doing it. They're I'm out there trying. How many elected officials are from the um, Porn Now party in California, for example? Or. You know, like, because the problem is California, anyone can run for anything. So I'm curious if that's like... As opposed to the rest of our democracy. Well, (laughs) I'm just saying that like most, you know, most of the time you get the rent is too damn high party as an occasional thing. But there's a reason that stands out. Like in California, that's just one of 750, like right next to what's his name from Fantasy Islands party or whatever. Like, um, yeah, Tattoo, Villanueva. Do you know, I know a guy who has a tattoo of Tattoo. That's awesome. 
or troubling. Wow. It's funny, but I don't know about for your whole life. <laughs> exactly. That's like one of the things you get is a henna tattoo, just, yeah. just to be sure. <laughs> um, yeah. So, I mean, so I'd want to know, like, how many elected officials and also how many other small, never heard of them parties exist? Like, are there a bunch of, you know, like, for example, there, there's this new movie coming out you guys may have heard of called The Free State of Jones, which is based on a mm. true story about this dude who actually tried to become his own country, more or less appealing to disaffected people. And like, he wanted blacks to come on. It is a whole bunch of things. Anyway, it looks kind of cool. But, you know, is there like the free state of Bob who like owns part of Sacramento for some reason or like serves on a, you know, that that's what I'd be curious about. Um, it's just Disney, which is its own nation state. It's in its Florida, own nation state. For it sure. kind of is. You know, Disney World itself is kind of like a nation oh, state. Oh, completely. Yeah. I mean, I've, I, I'm sure that we've talked about this on the MEP report before. That like, We've talked they, about your hatred if, for it. Well, yeah, but if the union should dissolve, if something should go <laughs> down, like, Disney will be a state. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They oh, yeah. have huge amounts of territory and, oh, yeah. and fortifications and one road in and out. Like you, They're going to be easily control their own territory. And it will at that point literally be the happiest place on earth because it'll be the only place on earth. <laughs> like, and the saddest. And the saddest. It'll be, yeah, at, at the same time. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, that's interesting. Um, I, I think it'll be interesting to see what happens. But I think, I don't know. I actually am really enamored of this idea now. I, see, I feel like it's easier in New Orleans. Something, something in me says that, like, story is perfectly suited to be a candidate who, like, and it's a perfect story, like, drives Uber during the day, you know, is a writer. During like, the night. During the right, night. During oh, the even night. better, even better, even better. At <laughs> night, an Uber story, driver. What level are you now? You know. What level? <laughs> yeah, don't they level up your... Uber yeah, he's a level. He's a level ten. He got his yes. own mount. He got his own. I'm a level four point eight nine. Four hundred and twenty eight trips. No, I have four hundred and twenty. Break it down to hundred thousand uh, to thousands. Dude, you slipped what? below four point nine. Yeah. How did you lose the hundredth? Before you slipped below huh? four. No, I mean, so it's funny. My whole week, I have like every week is over four point nine, and then there was a week of four point seven five. When like I just had one day that I was feeling off, and I think I was like a little bit sick, and like. It was definitely reflected in my a slip in my rating. I mean, four point seven five is like awful, which is <laughs> hilarious. But like that's the way it is. Or it's awful in New Orleans. New Orleans also purports that it has the highest ratings consistently across the board for Uber of any city in the country, so which I would like, believe. You're not dominating the ratings at four point eight nine. No, 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 no. That's like just below their top threshold. Their cutoff for top in New Orleans is 4.9. So, but once I get through, but it's only based on your last 500 rides. So when I do another 200 and cycle those out, I will be at like 492 or something, which is my average for everything except that week. So, but like New Orleans is artificially high because everyone's happy when they're here and everyone who lives here is really nice. (laughs) So like, I'm sure New York, like 4.75 is great. But. Where would we be without the extra gratuitous digs on the state of New York, uh, city of New York? Well, you know, um, so, it's just so easy. Hey, he pulled him full stop before I got out. I gave him a full two. <laughs> I gave two him a full two. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, uh, yes. So, all right. So I'm curious, since the last time we spoke, and of course, uh, listeners of ours will know that um, Story is now working for uh, the, the company of Uber, driving his Prius for uh, drunk people and showing... Not the Prius anymore. The Prius are. is gone. Keep up. What is what? What I mean, it's gone. What's the vehicle? The Prius is gone. I we just went on this big road trip to give the Prius to Alex's mom because her car broke down and she didn't have any way to get anywhere. So we're I am driving Alex's uh, Nissan Versa Note. So a Versa Note is that a hybrid? Yes, it is not a hybrid, but it is pretty fuel efficient and pretty. (laughs) I think he actually said, "Is it a hybrid?" 
Yes, and it's not a hybrid. <laughs> like, what? Yes. That's the versa huh? part. It's a hybrid. No, I said it is not a. I said it's not, not a hybrid. hybrid. I was saying yes to the part that is a hybrid, but no to the yes. part that is what no <laughs> it is both a hybrid and not a hybrid therefore it is a exactly. hybrid it's an academic car it's a hybrid not an id um okay so so all right so it's a versa note so first of all is yes. it smaller than the prius it is very slightly smaller but also a little bit taller and a baller right, yes to the part that is smaller you wish you had a girl that you would call her right um, exactly all right so it's a little bit okay. So it's a little bit taller. Uh, yes. Okay. It is a is little it, more hatchbackier of a hatchback. Does it look but, like more? I mean, not that the Prius would. It is larger yeah. than a bread box. <laughs> yeah. No, it, but is it sort of like? Is it like? Oh wow, this is a hip car, or is it like? Oh, it's the new Pinto. Like what? What is the? What is the? Quality uh, neither. Of the car? I mean, it's like it's like a it's like a fairly traditional like sort of bubbly hatchback like i don't know it's a very it's like a it's like an affordable entry-level hatchback you is can, this the kind of car know. which if you were not driving it would be driven by the girls who used to drive volkswagen cabriolets all of whom i ever saw looked like they were about 16 and equally giggly i don't think i ever saw a volkswagen cabriolet not driven by 16 year old giggly women um is that, is that what maybe I don't know. I think, I mean, the, the classic profile of someone driving this car, I think it would be, I mean, it would probably be Alex, right? It would probably be like a, like fairly young teacher type. Like, I don't know. She found the car very appealing. It seems to suit her. A number of verses in my time from like cheapo Alamo rent a car deals or like whatever the smallest thing is. Your thoughts? uh, amazing turning radius. You could just <laughs> oh, do yeah, yeah. donuts no, it's in like, like the smallest space in the it's world. It's like a smart car for turning, <laughs> yeah. but it actually has five I seats. Like that that's yes, the first that is, thing, though, is turning No, radius. that's very you insightful. Can, you can go hard. You can make a 90-degree turn in this car without... No, it's true. It's a parallel parking over. dream. You can parallel park on like a, on like a manhole cover. Yeah, the car is like Barry Sanders. If Barry Sanders were a car... <laughs> That is the first thing. <laughs> Except that unlike Barry Sanders, one hit would permanently execute him, which would be the I same. Know, no, that's, that's a smart exactly car. It does at least have insulation. Sort of yeah. I've driven in a smart car, and let me tell you, I have it's to like say, Arian Foster. Yeah. yeah it, it was well the funny thing is I felt like I literally was like humming the Flintstones theme. Like cause it really felt like da 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 because it felt like I had to like <laughs> use my feet to get the thing started. Yeah, but not you. It, it was not oh my god. And my my father in law had always had negative things to say, but my father in law thinks that any car smaller than a suburban is the death trap. So my father in law is mm-hmm. not to be trusted on this. But yeah, like so the smart car. Okay, so so it is all right. So it's kind of like it's an average it's a fine car, it's fuel efficient, whatever. Yeah, um, yeah. It has four doors or two doors? It has four doors. You can't drive Uber in a two door oh, car. Oh, it has to be four doors. Okay. It four has doors. four doors. Is it is it the kind of thing where people where you pull up in it and people are like like can they see the car type? When they get it, can yeah. they see it? And so, they like, yes, oh. they do see the car type, but no one knows what the bleep a Nissan Versa is. like. And also, problematically, I have a Versa Note, but there is a Versa, which is the sedan version, and it only, like, the amount of space. There's some things that Uber does really well, but Uber could really use some consulting. So, like, they don't... Uber and still does not list the color... Point nine, he's going to be a <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, Welcome exactly. to the consulting <laughs> no, I know. stage. I mean, so one, they have not figured out to put the color of the car on 
the list of car details that people get to see, right? So they put the license plate because everyone's going to read the license plate. And yes, I guess that is an ironclad way to make sure you're getting in the right car is to go like XJZ571. But nobody... And the picture is not the correct color of the car. It's just like a standard picture of any car that is... You get a picture of the car? Maybe Louisiana's just behind the times. Okay. I get a picture of like the front of a car. Oh, Okay. Maybe maybe then it's only in Louisiana, which makes it even more baffling because then they've clearly solved the puzzle of how to put the color of the car in. So in, in New Orleans, at least, we don't have the color of the car. We just have a Greg, blank image. This is not going to work on your phone unless you actually summon an Uber, which is <laughs> so yes everyone i have like location service disabled call an uber I just want to be like, it would be amazing if i could show up every time someone listening <laughs> could i specifically this. request you could yes. i be like yes i need that an would uber be car amazing. from louisiana yeah. like, yes it will only cost you five thousand dollars because i have to get there first um <laughs> interesting well anyway so yes we don't have the color of the car we do have a picture of me but then the car is just described as the license plate number and Nissan Versa because there's not enough room for Versa note. Mm. So they, so people who are familiar with Versas are like, this is not the car. Cause I'm looking for a sedan. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of problematic, but have so they ever goes. docked you stars for that reason. Like docking an Amazon book Wrong because they like the publisher. Yeah. Bad. I mean, nobody, like nobody says, nobody has to explain why they do what they do. Right. Like wanted Versa three stars. But do you yes, put in exactly. like, you should have like a post-it note, like "Welcome to my Versa," and like underline five times. Note, you know, so people could just be like, "Oh, uh, you know, note the right. Versa that I am driving." Yeah, no, right, exactly. No. I'm making a note on my Versa. Um, okay, and you said the mileage is excellent in this car. Uh, clearly, not as good as the Prius. But yeah, like, are we talking? I mean, it's not as good as the Prius, but it's very good for a for a standard car. It's very good. Yeah. So since since we're on the subject of cars, um, I have a uh, confession to make, and it's a this is a very horrifying moment for me. So I hope I'll have you have a minivan. Well, uh, no. it's funny you should mention that. <laughs> I don't have a minivan yet. We have reached the stage where we're seriously considering a minivan, and I'm deeply horrified by the reality of what that means. Everyone is a soccer mom. Yeah. Okay. See, that's Everyone. so. That's the thing. And the reason the thing the reason that this happened was we went on a trip up to Boston to a convention, ReaderCon. And this time I had my son in tow with me, as well as my daughter, as well as my wife, as well as my mother-in-law. And we have a Honda CRV. Uh, well, actually, we have two. We have a Honda CRV, and we have my mother-in-law's old Saturn, which I'm here to tell you will not carry five. <laughs> that will not work unless I was like the hood ornament. It would not work. So we needed to take the CRV. Misleading advertisement. Is yeah, saying that it's right, exactly. Saturn, think Saturn you'd have, is huge. You could just, and plus, you could orbit the car <laughs> theoretically as one of the rings. But no, I sit on the ring. Um, it was uh, so it was just marginal, and it was when I was putting my son, who is now about at the time he was probably right around 11 pounds. He's now over 11 pounds. When I was putting him in in the car seat and I felt my back like, because they have to like reach over. I was like, you know, I wonder if and then on the way back, we stopped at some friends of ours who had a Honda Odyssey. And I love Hondas. My dad always had Hondas at minivan. And they were like, just sit in this for a minute. I was like, wow, there's there's room. And and I don't need to reach in because the doors are big enough that I don't have to bang my head against them. We'll get so I'm now seriously considering a minivan, and I'm worried that this is the first step towards the inevitable decline towards destruction. Like I don't, I don't know how to feel Greg, about this. You're making you know? the argument that's a sliding slope towards we should all have AR-15s. 
because. <laughs> well, I, I figured it led to nuclear thing. war. No, yeah. it doesn't lead to nuclear war. I figured at some point. I don't know, man. Why not have a tank? Yeah, if that's true. Just have a tank. <laughs> just have a tank. So much. But I, I don't want. So I don't want a Tahoe. I don't want a suburban. I don't want a you know Ford Edge. I want you know a minivan. I just this kind of minivan, and only so that I can take my family places and not hurt my back. Is this is this indicate I have lost my mojo? I mean, so I've never understood this, and you are as good an opportunity as I have to talk about this. I feel like I am always missing something with the math of how these things work because you only have four people, right? I mean, I understand that you know Clea's mom is there and and she five. goes with you sometimes, so five people, but like, so that makes it a little bit of a different wrinkle. But imagine that she weren't you know, living with you, she were back in Seattle still or something right, like that. Right. Like, I still feel like you would be like coming close to this crossroads. There's still only four people. Like I want to what? explain something to you, my friend. And this is, something do you have that... to go skiing every time you take no. kids out? Like <laughs> no, what I, is going on here? here this in is New an York. excellent question. Yeah, in New York, you do oh, okay. state law. Yeah. Um, Got it. This is, this is an excellent question. This is something that hopefully both of you gentlemen will experience someday when you have kids of your own. And I want to talk to you about a uh, principle. We have the even number principle, you know, on the show. Um, and so I want to talk about um, the principle of ever-expanding space. And the idea is that the younger the child, uh, that is inversely proportional to the amount of stuff it requires to maintain the child. Um, okay. Specifically, um, you've got not only the diaper bag, which I should point out is essentially a Dungeons and Dragons bag of holding. Like I'm really not even being that hyperbolic. Like the bag of holding in D and D opens up into another plane. That's essentially what a <laughs> diaper bag does. Like you look at it and it looks like a standard like satchel, and then you realize when you stuff wipes, diapers, uh, you know, water, when you put in um, extra outfits, usually three or four of them, a couple of pacifiers. They're small outfits, to be it, fair. Yeah, but th- here's the thing though. They're small outfits, but you need, when you have a baby, those outfits, you will be lucky if you get less than three outfits per day. Like they, you are spit up, uh, blowouts on the bottom end. I mean, like these things are getting used all the time, right? So that diaper bag just keeps expanding and expanding and expanding and expanding. So it literally takes up more room than you would think over time in the car. And oh my God, the strollers. I know people can talk about the umbrella mm. strollers, right? But the even if you get a non-double-wide stroller, these things are designed to fold down flat in the store, so they look like they're not a big deal. When you open these things up, they open up to the size of a smart car. Like, I'm not really even making that up. <laughs> ridiculous. And then you're like, why would I ever need this? Because, oh my God, if you're pushing the baby around, the stroller becomes the repository for every other thing you will ever carry. Because here's the thing. You have to have the baby. When the baby's not in the stroller and you're breastfeeding the baby or the baby's with you, you have a baby with you all the time. And you can't just be like, I'm just going to leave the baby in the grass and go over here. Like, you've always got the baby with you. So there's always this profusion of stuff. The stroller took up, I swear to God, half the back of my CRV. And I was like, did I, I, I thought I had done something wrong. I'm like, did I not, not press the button to fold this up even farther? But no, like I had put it down and it was like, are you joking? And then you put the diaper bag in and it's like one third to one half of usable space has been used up on the baby's stuff. Not even counting the car seat, which must be rear facing and which must be in a base, which must be locked to survive multiple nuclear holocausts occurring at the same time. <laughs> like it's, it's, it's madness. So that by the time you're all done, like, and you get everything in, if you, if you were going for longer than like a regular day trip, 
all of a sudden you're in trouble. Like, you know, when you have like a big suitcase, and you just throw the, there's no place to sure. throw a big suitcase. I can't have Kalen hold the big suitcase for me. Like, just put it here, put it on your lap, son. Like, I can't do yeah, that. Because he's in the grass. <laughs> <laughs> it's or it's sitting in the stroller it's impossible like it just it's this profusion of stuff to take care of a child i i don't i swear to god Senevine, as she got older got less stuff like she would bring home stuff from camp but if you put her she could like have like a little drawing thing and a little backpack and she's good to go as she gets older but when you're you like essentially are bringing an entire maintenance system with you like in a kitchen like it's like you're bringing a kitchenette you're bringing everything required in a kitchenette <laughs> along with you diapers a changing pad like i mean it's it's madness a bunch of pvc oh my god man like (laughs) pretty much a stove no i mean like for for real like it's amazing and god help you listen clea right now is breastfeeding um uh kaylin but with Cenevine, she had to be an exclusive pumper so then not only did you have the normal bag like of bottles of milk but you had bottles of milk with ice packs right and the pump system itself and everyone's like oh it's very portable i'm like yeah, as portable as a pump system is, but they don't like fold down. So you like have these things in these padded bags and eventually you're like, okay, the baby's ready to go. Sadly, we can't fit any passengers now, so we can't go anywhere. Like it's, it's mad. They don't cars with the built-in pump system yet. That's not really, like attached there. It's just like the antifreeze is over here and here's your oil and the milk station. Cigarette lighter, and then... That's exactly it. <laughs> exactly. And, and, and just having, the other thing is that not being able to, the other big thing for me, like, cause I'm, six three if i bend like to put the car seat in the back i have to bend down and then reach over which now you know yes i'm sure it's good workout for my muscles or whatever but after a while the child gets larger and larger and heavier and heavier and after a while your back is like yo what are you (laughs) for real what are you doing as opposed to a van where it opens up and i'm like i only need to lower my head instead of being like like you know it's it's not it is not a natural system. And so you'd be like, well, why can't you just, that's why people, that's why people cheat. That's why people are like, I'm not going to put them in a car seat. I'll just, you know, buckle them up in the back seat, which is a good way to get your child killed. Like there's a reason that they have car seats because this is the way to keep your child safe. But oh my goodness, they, they, and it's not because they make it difficult. It's just that they make these things so that now they're like all industrial strength and can resist like, you know, they're like hardened bunkers. Basically, these are hardened strollers that can resist multiple attacks. Stronger than smart cars. Yes, clearly. And, and better mileage, probably. I mean, even the smart car. So yeah, so it's 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 hmm. a thing, man. You know, I'm I'm just nervous. Someone was like, "Well, is it because you're upset? You're worried that people are going to think you're a parent?" I'm like, I love being a parent. It's that I just don't want people to be like, "Oh, you got a minivan, huh? Well, I guess the time has come for you to do everything else. Time to start voting Republican." And the, you know, like I'm, I just I I, I worry about what right. it says You've about me. You've already committed to doing that, Greg. <laughs> I have to pump him. <laughs> got him. <laughs> Got him. Yeah. No, I need just to pump a bunch of like uh, Hillary stickers on the back so I can like, or or no other things like, could I throw some Hillary stickers and then throw like on a Ben and Jerry sticker for extra cred or something? I need, I need something. No, you need to like, here's what you do, Greg. You ready? You get your minivan and then you go and buy like seven bumper stickers of the most recently popular bands and like maybe a couple Pokemon Go, like just things that only <laughs> yeah. like a fourteen-year-old would have oh, on the back of their car. Time you're gonna need a you're gonna need a Bernie sticker. That'll be part of the part of the full compliment. 
Um, Can I yeah. put on Death Cab for Cutie and then pretend I'm a yep. hipster who's pissed off? That well, yeah, Death Cab maybe that may be showing that you're like in your twenties. It may be a little old. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a little. That's a little old. You need you need Taylor. You need Taylor and younger. Rihanna? Does Rihanna count? Yeah, two no. twins. Now, oh, uh, what? CeeLo. CeeLo. CeeLo Green. How about Skilo? I wish it was a little bit taller. Wish it was baller. <laughs> um, all right. Yeah, so maybe let, this isn't going to work for you. So right? I want to. I want. We should talk Pokemon Go. I just want to start out with a question, which is: for the first time, I saw one kid finally actually playing this game, and all I've seen on Twitch and online is everyone being like, "I've got a Pidgey, I got a Pokemon Go, but God!" So apparently, everyone's playing the game around me, and I don't see it. So this is not I, the case with you guys. I went to Portland last week. And we went into a uh, a square. I don't know the name of the square, but it was uh, like a business kind of Portland. It would be, be Red Square. Uh, sorry, <laughs> just joking. It was, it was a big hammer and sickle. Ah, got him. Um, <laughs> every single person in the square was playing Pokemon Go. There were packs of roving Pokemon Go hunters. <laughs> I mean, granted, it was a Poke Stop or whatever, so they were getting some benefit by all congregating there, other than human interaction. But they, they were all of them. <laughs> Everybody was playing Pokemon. Um, and I also, there was an amazing video that I saw on the internet recently of someone spotting some kind of rare Pokemon in Central Park here. Uh, it was like a Vaporeon. And, and like hundreds of people were like dashing across the street like there was like someone was giving out cash and just like streaming into this part of Central Park all trying to catch this one Vaporeon so it's it's very real it is very real you're are, so before I ask story what he's seen are you your thoughts are you concerned about this um, phenomenon I think it is getting people out to exercise I think it's utterly fascinating okay. I think what we have not yet fully analyzed like we've seen kind of what it is it forces ultimately it's a clash of civilizations it's taking these people who spend all their time inside gaming and forcing them to go into the world and it's just a weird now we have these people who are used to being inside and they still think they're inside inside with them really (laughs) they think they're just like i'm in my little space but they're in a glen somewhere in the middle of the county just like walking through somebody else's territory and we have no mechanism to deal with any of this like who enforces like trespassing laws on the regs like nobody does so but they're just trespass everyone between the ages of like 14 and 25 are trespassing everywhere all the time to catch pokemon i find it fascinating i don't i don't know what's gonna happen i think it's probably good or maybe we need to rewrite the laws of society to deal with it well because i was going to say it ties together two things that are problematic for you in opposite directions because it involves like lots of pop culture stuff which although you like it you also have a sort of a sneaking annoyance by or disregard if it's for, too popular right? i don't like it right as a contrarian. absolutely <laughs> um absolutely so it's got that going on but then at the same time it's allowing to like sort of break down property rights and like you know provide for i mean i'm sure stories all over the breakdown of property like trespassing sign me up um it you certainly know. teaches everyone about like local landmarks and art installations in their neighborhoods yeah so you heard that they had one on. in the holocaust museum that they had to take yeah. away because it was really bad because um, it was a poison gas pokemon that they found in the holocaust oh, are you museum. kidding me That's what oh my god they apparently i know that they like apologized profusely and removed it and there's like nothing related to it anymore again but you do wonder whether things like that can happen i can tell I every improv theater in every city is dropping lures like there's nobody's business they're like please come inside oh, of course so they many are pokemon come see oh, the of show. course they are yeah 
So, all right. So, story. Uh, have you seen this, New Orleans? Have you driven? Have there been any Uber? I have been waiting. Ever? I have been waiting for the Uber rider because the first thing. I mean, to be fair, we were on this road trip, so we were not. We were not. You know, in at home in our normal routine. I was not driving Uber for the first like four days since the app dropped or something, and I was really bummed about that because all I was reading online was like Uber r- drivers are giving like polka tours and like people are going from stop to stop. Unfortunately, I think the problem is that New Orleans just has too much actual cool stuff to see and also, do. We've established but, that there's no internet service in New Orleans, so that's a problem. It's also the fact that there's one internet tube <laughs> and story right. is using all of it right now. Like, <laughs> yes, right now the police station's like. <laughs> Crowding out the rest of the bandwidth. God damn it. It must be that Clayton guy again. Yeah. So, so I have yet to see, I've seen people like I went for a walk today. I'm trying to do, I'm trying to do a new read, read 50 pages and walk two miles every day. That's my, my goal. So, um, on my, on my walk today, uh, I did see people playing in some parks and stuff. I saw one guy double phoning it clearly for a friend. It was really funny. He was like, he had the phones out side by side and was some of like that is streaming, catching you know. things. Some of that is streaming. They oh, streaming. maybe it is. Maybe it is. Good call. Yeah. To do all that. So, yeah. So, um, so yeah, so I don't know. Uh, I've definitely seen it in action, but I've not, I've been waiting for someone to, cause I hear all this stuff about like, Oh, people go to the wrong side of the tracks at three in the morning and then like whatever. And like, Clearly that's Uber is all about going to the wrong side of the tracks at three in the morning. Like that's what I do. So, um, or, you know, at least crossing the tracks at three in the morning. So, uh, I have not yet had any, any, any Pokemon people, but I'm waiting. I will let you know so far as being a poke chaperone, which is, it's like, you know, if you're a sniper, you have a two man team, you have the spotter and the sniper. (laughs) Okay. And so I am the spotter who like when Stephanie is going around catching Pokemon, like I prevent her from walking into ditches or, (laughs) (laughs) it's <laughs> such a good tie into the olympics you're yeah, like the I, person catching the gymnast yeah. of like nope don't go She's in like, the gutter I, I nope that's, over there. I'm a like, that's a gang there's a gang right there <laughs> <laughs> go that thinking, way. I was actually thinking of it being like curling where he's like sweeping the street in front of her. <laughs> oh, that's good like, too. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a very that's amazing. underrated role is the poker <laughs> chaperone. Uh, and like you were in Seattle last week um, staying at a friend's house and they have like a school park across the street from their house. So we were done with our Seattling for the day. So and she wanted to play Pokemon. So we just in the middle of the night, we went across the street into this park, which belongs to a school just like every other Pokemon player in the world is doing right now. And we're just walking around in a field, like walking on a dirt road, being like, there's a barn. Is that a school? Are there kids? I don't know. Like, there's Pokemon back there. And like, I haven't done anything like that since I was 17. I'm just like walking around in a field, mostly yeah, just awesome. looking for like a secret place to smoke weed or something. <laughs> but now you're weed just, go. You're doing it because they're a little uh, augmented reality objects in the weirdest places. It's funny because what they did was basically this was originally based, as you guys probably know, on a thing called Ingress, which is what this mm-hmm. company did the first time. And it was fairly it was it was cool, but it didn't have a lot of a sort of a lot of an impact. This has an impact because of the, you know, Pokemon, basically. So Pokemon comes out, you tie that together with this and all of a sudden you have brilliance. I read this interesting thing that said that there are far fewer Pokemon available in black neighborhoods. 
because the places where um, a lot of people was based on that original system, that ingress system, which was populated largely by white upper class, you know, like well-to-do people. And so as a consequence, you actually see a living incarnation in Pokemon Go that white people are advantaged over black people being able to find particular Pokemon and stuff like that. And so what is that? And, and largely because they don't even know about landmarks. Like, for example, you probably wouldn't find, or it, I shouldn't say that, maybe they would now, but you wouldn't necessarily find like a, like a spot at, let's say, the Edgar Allan Poe house in Baltimore, because the Edgar Allan Poe house in Baltimore is in a piece of crap neighborhood that is like free fire zone. I've been there. And like, you know, so those are places that those are landmarks that exist clearly, but you wouldn't be as likely to see them because of where they are. As, um, a, as a quick counterpoint to that, so, I read a story about... Um, a Pocus stop that was made out of a um, a Robert E. Lee memorial statue. Oh my god! And the Pocus stop, like in the app, when you looked at the Pocus stop, it was like this traitor to humanity was an awful piece of garbage wow. and led the wrong side of a faulty war or something like that. And wow. it was just because somebody Crazy. playing Ingress labeled it like that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> interesting! Wow. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, huh. So, do we are we are we cool with this phenomenon, or do we think that this is the first step to destruction? I mean, I think it's great. I mean, I think, you know, I think the only things that are problematic about it are that it's like distracting people from, you know, Russ's actually correctly predicted countdown to the end of the world. But, you know, whatever that something else would do it. So, like, we can't uniquely blame Pokemon Go for that particularly. But I think I mean, obviously, I think, you know getting a video game to actually get people interested in the outside world, both for like walking around in that world and interacting with their world and learning more about it is phenomenal. Like off the charts, excellent, excellent, you know, thousand points to Gryffindor. I think that's, that's great. Um, as far as, you know, like it, it would still be nice if we could have something that would like convert that to some like larger use, you know, I feel like video games right. and Hey, I'm guilty I play them. I've designed distracting online quizzes. Like I am in no way outside of this like realm of society that is, you know, obsessed with entertainment and doing this all to ourselves, but it would be, it just feels like there's so much gaming stuff and all of this stuff that's out there that is just like totally untapped, like power generation that you have like massive amounts of person hours and energy and thought and focus going into this that like people can collectivize and coordinate and do all of this stuff and it's just like you have this giant nuclear reactor that's just like pouring into the ditch and it's like where's all that energy going it's just going into the ditch here's here's one hypothesis so we need to to harness it Mm -hmm. um the developer or the head of the company that runs this and ingress um was a former i don't know if he was a consultant or a full-time employee of the nsa and you can look this up. Um, and he specialized for a while in kind of uh, this social calibration of uh, collecting information. And so some people who are the type of people that, you know, Dr. Laser Valken follows on Twitter, uh, conspiracy theorists <laughs> and such, um, <laughs> they posit that Pokemon Go is a giant surveillance system that is designed I've heard to, this, yeah. so, you know, if you want to drop a rare Pokemon somewhere where you'd like some updated pictures or audio recordings of a particular area, you just send out a bunch of unwitting Poke hunters, it, you know, to a particular neighborhood where they will document it completely unknowing to them. And then you'll have updated intel on that area without having to raise anybody, any suspicion. Of Crowdsource surveillance. Yeah. yeah. Spoiler alert. Everything in our future life is a surveillance system. <laughs> everything. Po- po- Privacy po- is dead. Pokemon to con. If you will, yeah. um, 
I, I do want to point out, though, you're, I, about the uh, harnessing it for good. I will say this is just a general comment about games overall. Uh, so Summer Games Done Quick. There's two of these events, Games Done Quick. There's an AGDQ, which is uh, Awesome Games Done Quick, and then there's a Summer Games Done Quick. Um, and they always, they basically these speed-running marathons for charity. They run over a week. So SGDQ 2016, the interesting thing is that the, the Twitch chat, so the chat for these things, are cesspools like they are the worst you will find for mm. like racism sex is like it's awful in the okay. process of watching speedrunners who raised 1.3 million dollars for doctors without borders in four days <laughs> um and agdq typically raises even more than that 1.5 1.8 million dollars so you have a cesspool of people who somehow with this cesspool are raising 1.3 million dollars for what i would argue is one of the best charities on earth um so there is something about it, you know, like there, there is that energy. I think, I don't think you're ever going to convince people, stop playing games, instead play, you know, instead save humanity. No, no, no. But so, I think so, you can multitask. And that's what you have to do is get these people to be able to multitask. Right. So them. I think that's great. What I'm saying is taking it to the next level where you actually, like, again... I am no enemy of gaming in any way, shape, no, or right, form. No, right, I know, and I'm not, I'm not defending What I'm, it, saying, I'm saying is I want to see it. someone do a next level, like, like clearly Pokemon Go, whatever you think of it, is kind of a level up generational change yeah. type of game, right? Yeah. I want to see someone do something like that where it's still a game and you can still get all of your gaming, like, you know, endorphins and whatever else out of it, but the actual game is it somehow harnessed for good in and of itself? Oh. Because then you're like drawing some of the power, even if that's not the focus, even that's a byproduct or something yeah. where you don't have to go out of your way and like also do another fundraiser or something where like, instead of this being like the surveillance state or just people exercising, which as I say, is a good note itself. And that's, I think better than most games, but like where it's, you know, you are out blocking police from shooting people or something. I don't know what it is, but no, like I'm with you. I'm with something, you. something like that. This yeah. exists on a, on a small scale. There's a, woman i think her name is jane mcgonagall um and she is, is she a cat sometimes gaming she uh is a gaming person she's done a bunch of ted talks and she's developed oh i know this person yeah yeah with the intent of using this kind of collective she has a ted talk where she talks about how mm -hmm, humanity mm -hmm. has spent like 10 million hours playing world of warcraft and like what if yep. we could direct that energy towards something right so right right there are games where people can like uh decode like strings of dna or yes. like cat categorize yes. various chromosomes or whatever but they're just playing a game mm -hmm. that's, yes. using the that's what i'm talking about that. yeah that, that's actually in fact there's a version of that you know when everybody hates the captchas but did you guys know that the captchas that you're doing when you're actually typing in text a lot of those are part of the great books project which the design of which is to basically transcribe all of these print books into digital form basically to make them sort of digitally available and people are doing this they've spread this so the people are doing this at random so when you type in four letters, you are literally entering digital information into a database that would not exist otherwise, which I think is, that stuff is cool. And like, I, I feel like what both of you guys said, to me, it's not a failure of technology. It's been a failure of will. I don't think people have cared enough to figure out how to do it yet, but I think it can be done. And I think that people would be willing to do it. I think people will not run away from charity. I just think you need to make it 
uh, you know, or, or run away from anything, not just charity, but run away from doing good for the world. But it needs to be combined as part and parcel of this. Like, you know, gamify Habitat for Humanity. You know, you build a certain number of houses, you get some huge level up gold for blah, blah, blah. I don't know. And, you know, people say, well, then you're taking away the, I mean, enough with the purity of the charity. What matters is whether you're actually saving people on the ground. You it's know, true. And what happens things, if you, so. you know, if you could plant a tree and that became a Pokestop like instantaneously? Yeah. Ooh. And now we're talking. Confirm it somehow. You'd have to figure out a way to confirm it, but they could do that. Mm -hmm. I, yeah, I just feel like, and also what that would do is it would create this environment where so many people would have exposure to doing it, they might just start doing it anyway. You know, like if you get a thousand people out there and they're planting trees, I don't know, 10 of them might end up being like, I want to plant trees more often. I mean, that's that's an absurd, that that is an enormous world-changing effect. And then another 10 hackers would just pull up the sapling and plant <laughs> another tree and pull up the sapling and plant another tree. And, and there'd, be, there'd be some people who are like, you shouldn't plant it, I want an open seed environment where I'm like, there's one like ranting lunatic over there is just like, he only wants to plant redwoods or something, you know. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> But believe it or not, guys, uh, I, I do want to apologize, too, to our listeners, because um, I, uh, showing my own control technology, I uh, forgot to record the first 45 seconds. So oh. um, you will catch us right Welcome in the middle of Welcome to the Map Report, number this one. This was episode 151, and we were talking about Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton and all that kind of good stuff. But if you like what you heard, uh, please let us know. Give us your feedback at mapreport.com, and uh, we will be back at you soon um, with a new show of fun and goodness and wonderful times. Say goodbye, everybody. Or the world will be over. <laughs> One or the other. <laughs> Remember, you keep winning that, that, that uh, wager, though, story. Every time, we're still here. Still here. Still here. Still here. Still here. We're still here. Well, the last time I saw old man emu, he was chasing a female emu, as he shot past, I heard him say, she can't fly, but I'm telling you, she can run the pits of a kangaroo. She can't fly, but I'm telling you, she can run the pits of a kangaroo. Well, there is a moral to this ditty, um, better did da da da. Crush can sing, but he ain't pretty, um, better did da da da. Duck can swim, but he can't sing, nor can the eagle on the wing. Emu can't fly, but I'm telling you, he can run the pits of a kangaroo. Well, the cook a barrel laughed and he said, It's true, um, better did da da da. Ah!